0: hello everyone and inside today's locked on canadians we have a very special guest we're talking about special teams and then we're going to get into the friday mailbag it's going to be a great time so stay tuned for locked on canadians your daily podcast on the montreal canadians part of the locked on podcast network your
1: team every day
0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 610 of Lockdown Canadians. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla and as always, I am joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, it's Friday when you're listening to this. We're recording this Thursday night as we always do. That means it is a mailbag day. But before we get into the mailbag, we have a very, very special guest today. Uh, And before I introduce him, uh, Laura, how are you feeling going into the weekend here?
1: I'm really excited. It's a beautiful day in Montreal. The forecast is gorgeous and I'm really excited about our guest because we know him as somebody who makes jokes on Twitter, but from the very <laughs> first time that we had what you're going to plug right now, I was like, "Oh my god, this guy's a hockey nerd. We have to have him on the podcast." And I'm so excited for the listeners to hear you talk about hockey.
0: And our special guest today, you may know him on Twitter as HabsLaughs at HabsLaugh. It is Mike O'Brand, head of the HabsLaugh intermission uh, club thing.
2: What, Mike? I'll let you do your own introduction <laughs> In here. How are we doing I'll, today? Uh, I'll take it from here. Uh, we're we're doing <laughs> doing well, really well. Thanks so much for having me on. To the both of you, I uh, really is a pleasure. Uh, fan of the show, been watching uh, for you know as long as it's been a thing. So um, excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, Habs Labs Intermission Club. Uh, most most games during the second intermission on Twitter Spaces. <laughs> so see you guys next season. Yeah.
0: Uh, So we're just going to dive right into this because Laura and I have both been guests uh, during the intermission club there with a varying number of things to talk about. And one of the biggest things that we've all kind of harped on this entire season and the season before that, and the season before that and the season before that ad nauseum until like 2007 or before that maybe is the Canadian special teams are not very special all of the time. And we know that Martin St. Louis is bringing Luke Richardson back. He's bringing Alex Burroughs back. He has faith in these guys to figure it out. And the strange part is we saw the Canadians penalty kill in the playoffs be almost historically great throughout every single round. Even against Tampa, they gave up goals, but were still very good. And Mike, someone who sees the game like you do is, can the Canadians actually make their special teams feel special again, even if they're not elite, but like, I don't know, league average might
2: actually help a lot in this upcoming rebuild? League average would be fantastic. Um, <laughs> I mean, the answer is yes, they, they theoretically can do that. Um, you know, it's a great topic because, you know, there's always either it's going great and you're picking apart the fun stuff or it's going poorly and you're picking apart the, you know, the, the not so fun stuff. And, and, you know, with the Habs, it's, you know, I remember vividly when the Habs had the best power play consistently in the league. You know, they had the weapons and they had the strategy and they had options, right? And that's what they do not have now, right? They just do not have the options, whether it's strategically or player wise to be dangerous consistently on the power play. We've seen glimpses of the perfect play of, you know, everything going right, the defensive breakdown, you know, a good bounce, but you're not seeing consistent control. You're not seeing consistent uh, confidence on the power play. And that a hundred percent comes from Um, you know, probably 50, 50 of coaching, of coaching and player. Right. So yeah, you know, hundred percent divided by two and those two factors, 50%, (laughs) you know, the, the, the key thing for me is, you know, I'm watching the games and you're, you know, really seeing the, the, the lack of success over and over and over again, um, comes from a few different things where they're putting their players, you know, so how are you strategically using the weapons that you have and what the overall theme of the power play is. So the thing that, you know, when you let me know that we were talking about special teams, the first thing that came to mind is what their, what their philosophy is with Cole Caulfield moving forward. He's 21 years old. He is an elite shooter. He's proven that he can score at every level, including the NHL. You know, he's going to be your power play guy. Um, And he's had some success but you also see them trying to kind of force him into a role that's just like I don't know man uh, and that role is the bumper right so you see him kind of setting up setting himself they put him on the bumper in the bumper position and if fans don't know what that is you know he it's like kind of the the middle slot kind of in between the net and the, and the, and the, and you know, the, end the point um, where he, you, you kind of want to feed everything through him. Right. So it's a, it's a misdirection pass. It's a, a one-timer it's a, you know, a, a, a pass that leads to a setup. It's, there's a lot of options in that bumper um, and they, they try to do it with USA hockey. And actually, Scott, I remember you vividly being just furious about, about them doing this when he was on oh, USA. It's... Um, <laughs> Yeah. And, and they're trying to recreate it because you know, who has a lot of success as a bumper player in the national hockey league, Braden point. And I remember them saying, we want him to be our Braden point on the power plane, whatever it is. I understand why they want to put him there because if Caulfield has the puck with any amount of time and space in the slot, he has every single hole that he could pick from in the goalie, right? He's looking the goalie straight on. They, I, I, he hasn't had a clean shot. I have never seen him get a clean shot off. Right. So when you're, when he's not having that success and when you're using him as a focal point, they aren't using the players around him as decoy, as, you know, you're, they're not using Caulfield as a decoy to take advantage of the players around him. And that to me is troubling because if you're trying to force everything to Caulfield in the middle and you're not using, and, and teams are adjusting to that and they are because they respect his shot already, they're not taking advantage of everything else going on. That is a concerning thing to me that leads me to believe that we're kind of going in for more of the same. And it's funny is
0: that when Shea Weber was playing and not about to be shipped off to Arizona for actually nothing more than likely, so much of the power play ran through him. Yes, he is an incredible weapon in there in that he can shoot harder than any human being should be able to. And that in itself is a weapon like Cole Caulfield's shot where he can put it wherever. But the minute that you shift everything into that person, and like you said, teams know that. There's no other person on the ice they have to respect. They know Suzuki is going to circle back and come off that half wall and they're going to try and get it to Caulfield or, and then Caulfield might pull back and he might try to pass it to Mike Hoffman who will promptly turn it over at the blue line. And there's, it's lacking a creativity. And part of that comes from depth because the second power play unit was Rem Pitlick, Josh Anderson, like Brendan Gallagher and Christian Dvorak, all of whom have unique qualities that might work. But there's no threat there. It's like, okay, we just cover two guys on Caulfield. No one else on the first unit's going to shoot because they're going to pass it. And no one on the second unit is a threat to score like that. And that lack of creativity, I think, comes from that lack of depth. But next year, they have guys like Jesse Alonen who can come up and be a power play threat there. And just to kind of put a bow on all this, it feels like the options are there to fix this. And I think Martin St. Louis, with an entire preseason and stuff, not just having to jump feet first into... A six-foot pile of garbage will help a whole lot with that.
2: And, and offseason.
0: Yeah, that and that's exactly it. It's, you know, are they gonna add in the offseason? Are they not? Are they just going to promote guys within? What is, you know, what does someone like Joshua Wad do for this team who scored in the preseason last year before he went on to lead the queue in scoring? We have so many questions. It is our Friday episode, and that means it's our Friday mailbag. And as always, if you want to tweet us at L-O- underscore Canadians or lockdown canadians at gmail. We have not forgotten about Laura. She is going to be running the mailbag here. She has all the questions in front of her. We are not ignoring her. We will get into that coming up in one second. But first, if you have followed this show for as long as we've been around, there's been 610 episodes worth of it. You know that we love Built Bar on this show. And not only do we love Built Bar, we love Built Puffs, the first ever protein-infused marshmallow covered in chocolate. And there are flavors in Built Bar and Built Puff for everybody They are low in calorie, low in sugar, low in net carbs, high in protein, everything you could want. They are great as a snack on the go. You need them in the morning. I take them hiking with me. They're great for after the gym. You get all the benefits of a protein bar, but it tastes and looks like a candy bar. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. And if you go to built.com, they are always adding new flavors. So you can always check them out and see what's new. So go there, put together your box of bars, use our promo code locked 15, and that's 15% off your order. So that's built.com. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. All right, so we are back with Mike O'Brand at Habs Laughs. It is a very special Friday mailbag. We love doing these, and it's not often that we actually have guests on to do these. So Laura will have the honors of reading the questions out uh, for Mike to answer, and then I will throw in any thoughts as they pop into my brain. Laura, what do we have first in the mailbag today? (laughs) This is
1: a very professional operation. I've screenshotted all of the questions (laughs) on my phone. But we are going to start with Paul G's question from YouTube. Thank you so much, Paul, because it kind of follows from what we were talking about in our first segment, which is question for the mailbag. Thoughts? Is it a coincidence that Caulfield thrives with Druin out of the lineup, or is there room for both? I believe that part of the problem under Ducharme was the decision to put Druin on the number one power play instead of Caulfield. You can't have Suzuki, Caulfield, and Druin on the power play, or can you? Also, I would like to see Ilanen play with Suzuki and Colt Caulfield.
2: You can. You absolutely can have <laughs> all of them on there.
0: Well, I mean, I I don't think the denominator in that that the problem was Jonathan Drouin right. in that Dominique Ducharme put Caulfield on the second unit instead of Jonathan Drouin. I think the the denominator to that is Dominique Ducharme could not coach Cole Caulfield this regular season for whatever reason. After song seeing what he did in the playoffs, he just couldn't figure it out. Yeah, he was not scoring, but the effort and chances were there. And I actually think drew being a guy who likes to play on the perimeter with the puck that can draw defenses out a little bit would be a very good candidate to operate behind the net and allow Caulfield to find those soft spots that he thrives in on the power play. It might be in the bumper spot, but if you have guys who are looking at Jonathan drew Caulfield can then when their backs are turned, he can go wherever the hell he wants
2: in the slot. And that makes him that much more dangerous. It's, It's about creating options. Um, for you know if you're a puck carrier you should have at least two on the power play at least two options that you know is either it's it's either a pass or uh i guess two you should have two passes or a shot right so essentially it's like three it's three options so um so you know drew ability to really be shifting and draw defenders in is a really great point that's um that's a that's a quality that he will un have hopefully for his entire career, especially five on four. Um, so you know he has that extra ice. He has that patience. He's kind of scoping around and looking, and, you, and he's and he's deceptive with his stick handling. So you don't really know exactly what he's going to do at any given time. And with when he has viable shooting options like Cole Caulfield or another viable passing option like Nick Suzuki, who can also shoot. Um, better than anyone else on the team not named Cole Caulfield probably <laughs> or Mike Hoffman. but um you know the the options are there I don't think there's anything wrong with having all three of them on the power play at all
1: I'm just gonna agree with both of what <laughs> you just said because I want to move on to a question from Ann Kimmel of Locked On Predators who uh, has loved Rem Pitlick since he made you know since he was a Nashville Predator uh and her question is what does Rem Pitlick's future look with the Canadians look like? Because he's my pretend adopted son and I rue the day the Preds put him on waivers. And when I sent this to Mike, I called him Rem Potluck. <laughs> Do you want to say the joke you made? After- <laughs>
0: oh my Please God, tell I me it's, it's, it's a dish to sure. pass joke. Please tell me it's a dish to pass joke. <laughs> no, no,
2: I mean, I guess that would have been better. No, Laura said <laughs> that, that he called, she called him Rem Potluck because he brings a lot to the table.
1: There you go. There <laughs> I think is. the Canadians re sign him. I feel like <laughs> they do, right?
2: Of course. Easy, easy. Like the easiest decision for Ken, for Ken Hughes this summer, for sure. The yeah, I, I think that that's a guarantee. However long or
0: however expensive it is, is up in the air. But I think they both understand kind of where Pitlick actually falls in the lineup. He's not shooting the lights out like he was in Minnesota when he first came to Montreal, but he's still a very useful player. He's got speed to burn, he's got shifty skills defensive work isn't great, but he's the kind of guy that you can put in that bottom six and modernize it a little bit. against some of the maybe slower checking lines. A guy like Rem Pitlick, I think, is a, a big bonus player to have. Like Paul Byron, when he was you know in his prime, when he first got to the Habs, he kind of reminds me of that. He's not going to put up 30, 40 goals, anything like that. We'll be lucky if he puts up 15 in a regular season, but there's room for that in the lineup. Skill is is an important factor, and it's something the Canadians have lacked. You know, all due respect to guys like Michael Pizzetta, but Rem Pitlick brings another wrinkle to the table
2: that I think makes him very versatile for Martin St. Louis' team. I mean, I am shocked that the Wild waived him after knowing what he brings to the table. Uh, I mean, the look at me and t- look at me in the face and tell me that the Wild wouldn't want him in that playoff series right now right? Like that's a player you want on a, on a playoff team. And if the Habs were contenders, he is a perfect bottom six guy who brings energy, who brings speed, who brings creativity off the rush, um, has, has power play skill. Um, and, and I, as much as I would hate, as I hate to say this, cause I think he's a useful player that, you know, you want to ideally want to lock up. He's a guy that gets you a really good return at a deadline, you know, uh, you, you know, next year, you know, you, you have to think the Habs aren't going to be great. They're going to be selling again. He's a in type player who can gain a reputation around the league to get you a great return. So and just a great asset. Either however they plan to use him, a great asset. I
0: wonder if he goes on like another shooting bender to start the year where his value is, you know, doing one of these. Even if the Habs are terrible, which there's a very good chance they might be, <laughs> do you look at that and you just go, okay, someone's offering this and you just pull that shoot on that and just take it Uh, We don't know if he's going to have that kind of shooting look, but I, like you said, I think he has value whether they keep him or trade him at some point next year. And I think that he's he's found money, basically. You you paid nothing to get him, and he's turned into a guy you can ice regularly and not really have to worry about too much. I think that's very good GM work, uh, all things considered. I didn't think much when he was acquired, and he kind of showed me on that front.
1: He was a pleasant surprise. All right. So, what about an unpleasant surprise? Rachel of Lockdown Flyers asks us: How much are the Habs banking on a one or two overall pick this year? Do you think they have a good plan if they don't get it? Now, this involves math that I don't want to do. What are the chances that they mm. don't get a one or a two? Like fifty. The chances or they don't something? get
2: a one or a two. So they have like a twenty-five percent of getting chance of getting one. Yeah. So and then. I guess you have to just lump two or three in it together. So like, if you know, <laughs> so I guess, I guess, you know, it's a 75% chance that they get one or that they get two or three, which isn't, isn't fantastic. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I think like, honestly, just based on like the, and I'm in no way a draft expert, like I've ne- really have not seen full games of, of these prospects, but based on like, you know, me taking the word of experts, which I will absolutely do in this scenario, um, <laughs> you know, t- the 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 drop off from from one to there's a drop off from one to two and then from and then from two three four or five even is like very much a, a similar group so then picking two or three it's a decision um but i don't think they can really go wrong between like a player at two or a player at three so either way there you're getting a, stu- a stud either way you're getting a player that's you're, you're hoping is going to be a transformative piece so i mean do they do i want them to pick two Yes. Do I want them to pick one? Even more so. Would I be yeah. upset if they're
1: picking three? No. No, not really.
0: Yeah, I, I look at the top of this draft, and just to uh, put a little wrap on this before we get to the final segment here, is I look at it, I just finished writing Logan Cooley's draft profile, and I go, okay, if they don't get Shane Wright, Logan Cooley's awesome, and also fits exactly what this team needs. His timeline is just not NHL immediately after his – in the, exactly. There's not, there's, that's fine. Simon Nemitz, who is a big defenseman that they might need. He might not be in the NHL next season. You know what? That's fine. Uh It's going to be a little bit more painful next year. There's not going to be maybe that young, exciting piece right away, but at the same time, that's okay. And the biggest thing with a rebuild is patience and they don't get the first overall pick. Okay. And now you see who's in the draft pool there and there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of hidden gems like to, One of my favorites, Frank Nazar, got ranked 21st among North American skaters, which is so mind-blowing because if that's actually what teams think, he's going to be there with their second first-round pick, and I will sprint up to the podium in Montreal myself and make the pick whether they want me to or not. (laughs) So uh, we do have plenty more questions with Mike O'Brand. And remember, if you want to send us your mailbag questions for our Friday episodes, at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. But first, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can get all the latest developments, including the MLB starting up, the NHL playoffs are going on, the NBA playoffs are going on. The Kentucky Derby is this weekend, and BetOnline has you covered with all your wagering information from live betting to esports and more. So head to the website, that's at betonline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. So we have come to our final segment of the Friday mailbag. We have a couple of more questions from our listeners on Twitter and we are joined as always, or not as always, but this week by special guest, Mike O'Brand. Mike, you can join us every week. If you want, it is the Canadians off season for this point. <laughs> we always have time for guests and friends. Laura, what is our next question in the mailbag this week?
1: So we're continuing on with the, the lockdown hosts really came through for us this week. So Seth Topol of locked on Minnesota Wild. Um, Besides the obvious ones like Suzuki and Caulfield, which other Canadians players fit into the team's longer term plans ie beyond the rebuild?
2: I <laughs> first <laughs> name that comes to mind is Romanov uh, just because he's young um, but on a, the the answer is probably is probably Jordan Harris. Um, he's probably the player that is poised at, in, at this time to cement himself in a top four role on defense for Montreal. Um, you could also say Kaden Gooley I think that's like a very you know similar answer. He hasn't shown that he can perform as a pro. Um, Harris sample size incredibly small. He it, Harris is my pick.
0: I, I look at this and I, my thought is I look at someone like Justin Barron who had a very who unfortunately cannot play for the rocket because of his ankle injury in that game uh, against the uh, senators that he suffered there. And I think he's someone they have very high hopes for. And for good reason. I think he has all the talent to be a very good top four piece on this team. Whenever Jeff Petrie is traded or retires or whatever he does, I think Justin Barron is the guy they see as his long-term replacement there. He has a similar style, I think, in terms of how he generates offense. And I would agree that Jordan Harris is also a very good thing there. Lauren, I love him on the show because watching him play he's so composed. He isn't, he isn't, he isn't flapped. Uh, He isn't, he's unflappable with the puck for such a young guy at the professional level there. And you can't teach that right away. We see it with Alexander Romanov sometimes where he almost gets spooked when he has the puck and he just, you know, does whatever. Harris sees incoming opponents and he just, you know, dishes it off or makes a move and he's gone. And I think that's, puts him such uh, so far ahead of his other uh, prospects in that category next year. Jordan Harris as a top four defenseman is uh, something I would consider almost a lot going into next season.
1: I would agree. Alright, um, we're going to turn it over to our friend Ian of the Builds Podcast. Game seven, cup final, tie game, final minute. You have a breakaway. What is your move?
0: Fall down and cry. <laughs> I I don't have moves. I I skate like the Titanic into an iceberg. Like anyone who has seen me skate knows that it's like it's Scott goes and stands in front of the net and hopes a puck hits him and goes in. Like I, I do not have moves at all. I am the Brendan Gallagher of my team. I just get hit by pucks and then go labor on the bench for a shift or two and get back
2: out there and do it again. <laughs> um, I'm just going to pass the puck to Cole Caulfield wherever he is. I'm assuming I'm on the Habs. I'm assuming I'm on the same line as Cole Caulfield.
1: <laughs> you have a breakaway, is all you know. All right, I'm gonna go with uh, high into the glove side because when in doubt, that's where you should probably shoot. It's just the book on every goalie is usually high into the glove side. So
2: my 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 go-to, and I my go-to is is um, I don't know what hold this is called in terms of like goalies, but in between the pad, um, the pad and the blocker, that mm. is a go-to.
1: That's like a right, yeah.
2: Hi, hold, on. I'm, I'm my, my ju- <laughs> hold on. I'm getting my judgment. Hold
1: on. I'm going to ask a que- like the next question. Uh, speaking of goalies, uh, locked on Devils. Hypothetically, what's it going to take for us to get Carey Price off your hands? That is a non starter. We do not want anything on the New Jersey Devils that you are willing to give up.
0: <laughs> so, that's, that's here's the
1: thing right there. <laughs> so, yes, that
0: is correct. However, since we know that he doesn't know that Carey Price might not even play next year, I will take Nico Heischer off your hands and you can have. <laughs> And or Jack Hughes, you know, either one. And then if Carrie Price plays, cool, have fun with ten and a half million dollars, or he doesn't, and we still get one of your top centers, and the rebuild just steams ahead smoother than ever. So, uh, that it starts with Jack Hughes and more. So,
1: all right, we've got four more questions. Uh, the first one is from JMC how can Gorton and co best use Laval for their renovation of the Habs? So renovation's a good one. I like it. It's probably translated from French, but uh, I like it. Instead (laughs) of rebuild, retool, we've been saying that all year, we can say renovation. I
0: I think what they've done with some of these guys who are waiver eligible that ended up playing a bigger role this year, uh, they're the top line guys for the Rocket who you know you can call up and what you're going to get out of that there. And I think that helps insulate some of these younger guys uh, like a Raphael Harvey-Penard and a Jesse Alonan, where they don't have to be carrying the team here. If they surround them with the right quality veterans, you get a good team like you had this year. Jean-Sebastian D., Xavier Ouellette, uh, Alex Belzio continue to be those guys. Louis Belpedio played very well. There's going to be a lot of young defensemen next year, and you want to make sure that these players are insulated. We saw for years um, bad coaching no matter what pieces you brought in, what talented youngsters you've had there. It doesn't matter if the coaching isn't up to snuff, you got to insulate it and have good coaching. And now I think they've got that. And it's all about striking that balance between having the right vets there and also making sure those young guys get the ice time they need to take that next step.
2: You know, I think the, 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 the slogan really is like the AHL is a development league. So, you know, Hughes and Gordon have just like been banging that development drum and we're re-haul, rehauling the, the development program of the Habs. I, you know, they need to treat the Rocket as a development team. It just has not been that. Um, you know, over the last, you know, three years, it's been better. You know, Bouchard did some good work um, and who and, um, Hul- is doing doing great work. Currently, and you know they, you, you it's fun. You get a shiny new toy. You want to see it up with the halves immediately. You know you want to see RHP. You want to see Alone Name me more players, right? Like that are viable on the rocket this year, as in terms of youth. Like shuneman maybe Primo. Like like the, you need to treat the rocket as a pure development program, and you need more. They need more youth. Friendly, need more youth, and it's coming. It's coming. You know um Roy will probably be spring next year just based on age same thing um same thing for um kidney right like just just because they're too young but ghoulie full season I don't even want to even a sniff like like, (laughs) you need need, maybe one or two I don't games like here and there but but uh exactly but you know treat the treat you know, treat the AHL as it's supposed to be treated. I want less veterans, honestly. I think they're too stacked with vets. But I, I agree, Scott. I mean, you need you need that mix. But right now, I think there's just, like, players that are just career AHLers that are just filling this team because there's nobody else to fill them right now. But but it is coming. It is coming.
0: And, and I think that's a good point is that, like, we look at next year, you have Emil Heinemann who's going to be there, who I don't think is going to be NHL-ready right away. Caden Gouli is going to need a little seasoning. Matthias Norlinder we see Marlinder, could use a little bit more seasoning. And that's not a bad thing. If they go down there and they prove after 10 games that they're too good for the AHL, you go, great. This is awesome. And if they go there and it's like, okay, well, maybe not yet. Instead of just sending them up because they're the only people there, you let
2: them keep playing. It's like you The said. last player that went like a full year and come out – and like it's Jake Evans, right? Jake Evans was like a full year – peeling to full year – um, and it's going to be RHP. Like, like if you give them the time to become pros, get used to pro speed, get used to pro decision making, to the scheme of just being um, at this level of hockey consistently, it's going to happen under the right under the right coaching and under the right patience. So you, you just you you just need to treat it as a development program.
1: I absolutely 100% agree with you. So we've got a couple more questions. Uh, Our friend Goalie Joy, this is kind of sarcastic because people keep making fun of like the idea that Crosby and Bergeron are coming to Montreal next year. Listen, you don't know, okay? Nobody (laughs) knows. (laughs) I mean, if I were them, I wouldn't come here, right? It's a rebuild. But still, um, her question is, since Crosby and Bergeron are coming to Montreal this summer, where would you put Suzuki in the lineup?
0: (laughs) All three on a line together. Just... Yeah. And then no, no
1: centers? Like, like the Olympics.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's just all three of them on a line. The other team doesn't get the puck at any point in time. Caulfield can play defense and they just run four forwards and, and that's it. And then like put Joel Edmondson as the fifth player on the ice. No one gets to touch the puck and they just score a bazillion goals. And then Ottawa gets to cry about it, and then Tim Stewspa the falls down. So no, it's all about...
2: when, I remember when Crosby signed that eight-year deal, we were all like, oh, eight years
1: in eight years it's, co- it's, coming, coming, it's coming it's coming he's co- um, it's the he's coming yeah.
2: home of like
0: it's not, instead of English soccer it's you know yeah yeah you know
1: yeah Crosby's coming home the
2: answer to the question is Suzuki is your 1c Crosby is your 2c and Bergeron is your Bergeron is your 4c behind
0: Jake
1: Evans that's really oh good. man you're gonna get so many Bruins I'm then, so not excited enough. for the comments tomorrow <laughs> oh
0: god so many uh. angry Bruins fans.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, and then RockSmasha. Hey, Masha. Love your comments on game over. On, you know, uh, hope you'll join us for our live show next week. With the uncertain nature of goaltending currently, do you think Montembeau gets an extension likely for one year in order to be an insurance policy? Worst case scenario is he gets waived to go to the AHL or he gets moved similar to Hammond if everyone is healthy next year.
0: So we talked about this a little bit yesterday. If they know Price isn't ready to go, they're going to sign like an actual quality, like guy, even if they're not great, like a Yaro Halak, who can give you at least league-ish, average-ish goaltending. Uh, All all due respect to Samuel Montembeau, who was put in an impossible situation this year, but I don't want to do that again. (laughs) And I don't think I can watch him give up a 200-foot wrist shot, and then turn into Dominic Hossack for the next 59 minutes, you know, <laughs> for another 40 games this season. <laughs>
1: it was always an adventure but i i really like him as a person you know like he seems to have like this this really jovial demeanor you know in the post games he's always very eloquent and he's always like he seems to have time for fans and things like that he was put in an impossible position but personally i don't think that canadians will resign him i think they'll go with with, with uh, scott's route mike what are your thoughts
2: i do think they will easy like i think it's like an easy one-year deal there's nothing to lose and if they lose into waivers then they lose into waivers i think they would be thrilled with a montebo primo tandem tandem in the NHL. Um, i think alan's gonna finish out his contract in montreal maybe get moved to the deadline i think they're gonna sign like another like one b2a like to just you know if Price can't go um yeah
1: all right and we are at our final question we kind of saved the most uh, interesting discussion for last and that comes from andrew berkshire of the game over podcast and the Cross- Crosscheck nhl show uh, Hughes and Gordon have hinted that they won't be shy about a UFA splash. Obviously, you don't want to cut the rebuild short. So who are your ideal UFAs this summer for one? Uh, so two, say, two UFAs, one a short-term one-to-two-year deal and one a long-term five-to-seven-year deal. I, who do you target? I
0: have, to, I have to look this up again because, like, I'm, I am I've done this several times and I never quite know what to land on. And I'm looking at, I still want Patrice Bergeron just because I do think that he's an ideal second line center behind um, Nick Suzuki, but all of that depends on what happens at the draft. If they get Shane Wright, I assume they're going to run, you know, Suzuki, Wright, Dvorak, Dvorak, right, Jake Evans next season, depending on the situation. And that's fine. But I'm looking at this now, and I look at someone like Philip Forsberg, who's up for a contract and is a UFA, and I go, that seems really nice, or even someone like Andre Palat, who can help fill out the wings a little bit. He's not uh, the player he once was, but at the same time, they're missing quality NHL depth on some of those wings until, you know, Jesse alone and RHB are proven to be a regular everyday NHLer right now. And I think that they can be found for, a halfway reasonable price if uh hughes and gorton go that route
2: I, I don't think they will go that route but it's a really fun question and actually <laughs> i think like like you know you, you were, we were kind of going going over this before um and hughes did a hit on 690 and was like i don't know if we're going with free agents guys like uh, don't get your hopes <laughs> up but um you know the answer undoubtedly is philip forsberg uh for a long term he's like a panarin like when you know the rangers were kind of still you know, what are we as a team? He and he, and they signed Panera into a really long-term deal. And he's a guy that you that can, you can wait for, you know, like that, that will wait out your rebuild and still be great when you're ready to go. And that's, what's happening with the Rangers right now. So, you know, he's still 27. He'll be 28 next year. He, that's, you know, if you think the Habs are going to be competitive two, three years from now, very, very viable for him to still be an impact player. Um, while at the same time, being with a Caulfield and being with a Suzuki and being with your young guys who are going, hopefully going to take that next step. The fun name that you would sign for one to two years is Alex Radulov. That yes. is <laughs> I would just love to see come back and just be a monster and be fun and just like, you know, like play out the rest of his you know career in Montreal. And he'll just like be just like the content between him and Caulfield would just be so unbelievably good on and off the ice. I look at another fun option here. and I, I look at someone like Phil Kessel that I just
0: go, why the hell not? You know, you're looking at <laughs> another person on a scoring line between Caulfield and Suzuki, and you go, why not Phil Kessel, who apparently has turned into a playmaker with 44 assists, on the Arizona Coyotes, who worked who's, her- score- <laughs> who's
2: scoring forty-four goals? <laughs> I,
0: uh, <laughs> On the Arizona Coyotes, uh, the ghost of Chris Pronger and Pavel Datsuk. Apparently, he has eight <laughs> goals, which is wild, and forty-four assists, which sure, I, I, it doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of actual quality names out there that I think they can go for, but uh, Philip Forsberg is obviously the big fish here, and that's the guy you got to go for. I don't think they're going to get Nazem Kadri he's going to be obscenely expensive after this season.
2: I don't think they're going to get Johnny Gaudreau because he's going to be obscenely expensive. It's not the year for that. It's really not. It's just not the year for that as, as much as it would be really, really nice. You're talking about your, you like next year would like the 23, 24 off season would be the prime year. Right. Yeah. Um, that's what you really want. Yeah. Um, if cat friendly would work for me I, a little click a little clickeroo, and see who's, who's <laughs> up at that. I mean, there's some significant names at the top of that list, too. You know, Ooh, uh, let me take a look here
0: on sport Adam. track. Um, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tase, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, Mac, Arkin, like David Posternock.
2: <laughs> like, yeah. there it's a it, Jonathan Huberto will be Huberto, a Huberdeau is the fun one, yeah. Huberdeau is the fun one um like one more year after this one so that's like if florida can't get it done he's probably thinking you know where, where where's my career going right yeah yeah and laura that wraps up everything in the mailbag correct
1: it does this episode was even more fun than i anticipated it would be and i really can't wait for our listeners to hear it
0: yes uh mike do you want to tell our 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 fans yes our fans and our listeners where they can
2: find <laughs> you on social media you can find me at ha- Habs laughs spelt like it sounds felt like you see it on the screen here at Habs laughs on Twitter. Um, yeah. Just uh, having some fun at the Habs expense and pretty much anyone else's expense. And um, yeah, just, you know, really thank you guys uh, both so much for having me on. It was a blast. And
0: as always, you can follow the show at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. Send us emails at lockedoncanadians@gmail.com. Canadians at gmail.com. You can subscribe to our show on YouTube. Please do that. if we hit a thousand. Uh, One of us is going to eat something disgusting. Um, You can follow Laura at the active stick and myself at Scott Matla. When you're done checking us out, please check out lockdown NHL where all of our local hosts have all the recaps and information you need going through the playoffs here. We will see you all next week.